Give the awesome opportunity to share with you this morning. If you were here last week, we started talking about Through the Valley. We're going to continue that this morning, doing a similar format to what we did last week. As I was getting ready this morning, um, God really put something on my heart that I'm just going to insert in the beginning of this message. Uh, we've had some storms recently, right? We've had some, some ice storms. Uh, I saw the headline yesterday on my phone. It said, another ice storm hits the Midwest, and I was like, it's so true, just sometimes it feels like storm after storm after storm after storm in our lives as well, uh, but one thing I've realized is it's not what you do in the middle of the storm as much as it is what you do before the storm, right? Uh, how many, is there anyone in here that lost power this last week? Maybe, maybe, okay, yep, one, I know there was a lot of people that lost power, um, this, this last year at my house, uh, we, we lost power three times this last summer. And that's really odd for us because my wife and I have bought, like we've lived there for 13 years and we've lost power once in 13 years until this last summer when we lost power three times. And one of the most frustrating things about losing power is the fridge, right? The fridge, you lose food in the fridge and... Uh, and when we lost power this last weekend, I go out in the garage and, and I grab my generator. And when I say generator, it's tiny, right? Come on, it's tiny. Uh, and I crank it up and it takes me about probably about 15 minutes to get it going. And I get it going and I put it uh, kind of right outside the garage and, and you, you do the thing you do. You grab the extension cord and you run it in and kind of like get it propped through the house with the door kind of closed. And... Uh, I get it in there, and I'm plugging the lamp in because I want, I want light because it's early in the morning, and uh, the kids are going to be starting to get up and, and all that, and I want some light. And right when I plug it in, the light comes on, and then I hear the generator stop. Come on, right? And uh, I couldn't get the generator going again. It's not what you do in the midst of a storm that gets you ready. I should have checked my generator before the storm, right? I should have I made sure I had it prepped. And, uh, and one thing I realize, and I'm convicted of myself, is I've got to prepare physically for the storm more. This, this spring, I plan on getting my house wired up. Some of you guys probably have this. Where, like, my dad got this done. My brother helped my dad do it. And uh, my brother knows all this electronic stuff, electrical stuff. And I'm like, hey, just don't touch those two wires together or else it'll hurt, right? Uh, so, <laughs> so my brother helped my dad, and uh, my dad's got a pole barn, and they, they hooked it up. We're like inside the, the pole barn. My dad can hook his generator up, plug it in, and when it does that, it automatically does some stuff in the house, and it automatically switches over, and all of a sudden his house is good. His fridge is going and all this stuff. And, and my dad's never lost power at his house, but he knows that there might come a moment when you lose power. So I'm gonna, he, he said, I'm going to prep before the storm happens. Well, this spring, I'm like, Tim, you've got to prep before the next storm because you don't want to lose. It, it's, there's a lot of money when it comes to losing food in the fridge, you know, or losing food in the freezer. And I want to make sure that that stays. And it's, it's super valuable to be able to click a light on in the midst of a storm and still have electricity. It's not what you do in the middle of the storm it's what you do before. This last, uh, not, not yesterday, but we had an ice storm last week, right? Uh, and when that ice storm happened, uh, some of you guys have flat driveways. I don't have a flat driveway. I've got a driveway that's about like this. And uh, before, 
God gives us wives to speak wisdom into our lives. And I will freely admit that I should have listened to my wife in this next moment. Before the storm hit, she's like, hey, honey, we should get some, we should get some salt for the driveway. And normally I keep salt on hand, but I'm like, no, it's fine. I'll be able to just keep it clean until I can get salt. But she's like, no, we should run out and get it. I'm like, no, we'll get it, you know, the next, the next day or whatever. We'll get, it, we'll get it taken care of. Well, the next day I get out there and I'm like, oh, my goodness. My driveway is like a skating rink on an angle. Uh, if you try to go out of a driveway that's on an angle full of ice, you'll know that stopping is hard, right? So I'm like, okay, my wife's got to leave. And I'm like, honey, I can, I can back the van out of the, and into the road for you. But uh, I should preface this. My wife just had abdominal surgery a couple weeks ago. So uh, she's got to be extra careful. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm navigating this in my mind. And I'm like, well, I think it's safer for her to be in the van and going down the driveway and me just telling her like, hey, there's a vehicle coming, don't come or whatever. So I'm like, okay, honey, you get in the van. I'm going to go to the bottom of the driveway. I'm going to check and make sure the coast is clear. Yeah. <laughs> Randy, Don, come on. So, so she starts backing out, and I go down there, and I'm like, yep, coast is clear. And I look like this right when she gets to where the ice is, and this truck is hauling down our 25-mile-an-hour road. And I am like, I'm picturing it. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I can see it happening. Like, she's sliding down, just has abdominal surgery. Uh, she's coming down. She's taking my daughter to, uh, to ballet practice, right? So my daughter and my wife, the two, the two girls in my life are in the vehicle, and I'm like, and I'm waving and waving and waving, and she hits the brakes, and it just starts sliding. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, Lord, I need, I need strength. So I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to praise the Lord. Whew. It was, it was near miss, but my wife, like, in my mind, it was like this close, but I'm sure it was farther, but you know what your mind does? It was so close. It's not what you do in the storm, but it's what you do before the storm. It's not what you do in the valley. There are things you need to do in the valley, but you can help yourself through the valley really well if you prep before you find yourselves in the valley. Amen. That's not just physically, but that's also spiritually. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every uh, pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I read that and I think about that. And the one thing I think is it's hard to take captive thoughts in the valley. It's really hard when you're in the valley to take captive thoughts. But if you could set yourself up before you find yourself in that valley, if you can spiritually get, get a generator ready, if you can spiritually get some salt ready, you can find yourself able to handle those storms a little bit easier. So, man, what we've got to do is we've got to say, what can I do today if I'm not in the valley? What can I do today that will help prep me for if I find myself in a valley? What can I do today that will help set me up for success? Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I just got to stop right there. Whose mighty power? His mighty power. It's not our strength that gets us through. It's his strength. It says, 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authority, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that the Uh, When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Guys, we got to put on the full armor of God. We've got to choose intentionally. Some of you guys know this goes through the helmet and the breastplate and the belt and the shoes and all this stuff. It goes through all these details. But my question for us as men that we're going to tackle this morning for a few minutes at our table is what does it look like for us to put on the full armor of God? And what, another way to say that is what can we do today that will get us prepped if we find ourselves in a valley tomorrow? What can we do intentionally that will get us ready that we can, that we can uh, if you're wondering, I should say this, if you're wondering, Ephesians chapter 6. If you got your Bibles, you can flip open there. We're going to spend a few minutes. We're going to do this a little bit longer. Last week we did about five, five minutes-ish at, at the tables for discussion time. I'm going to give you guys about ten minutes to look into what does it look like for us to put on the full armor of God. And I want, to, I want us to, to, to encourage each other. If you have any questions, let me know. I'm going to hang out up here a little bit. But the question for you at your tables, what does it look like for us to put on the full armor of God? I'm going to come back up, and then I'm going to ask for a little bit of feedback from, for some different tables. If you're sitting at a table that's got one or two guys, feel free to shift over to another table where there's a little bit more combined tables. Do what you need. But this is a time for us as men to talk about what does it look like for us to put on the full armor of God to get prepped for that moment if we find ourselves in. All right, all right. If you can kind of draw your attention back up here for a minute. It's It's an amazing thing how God chooses to interact with us on a daily basis, amen? How easy it could have been for God just to choose to say, you want to know what? I've made salvation possible and then choose to just kind of go and do his own thing. But he said, no, I want to interact daily. And that's where it comes down to we get to choose to put on this armor. Because God is a God that wants to be in a uh, close friendship with us. The closest friendship we could ever imagine. So with that... uh, Andrew Storm's going to run around again real quick. Is there anyone from their table with discussion that they have like a one or two minute kind of quick thought on what it means to put on the, the full, I love how it says that, the full armor. Don't forget pieces to put on. The, anyone, any quick thoughts on what it means to put on the armor of God from a table? To be clothed in Christ's righteousness Come on, because oftentimes, what does the enemy try to do? He tries to come back, and he tries to tell you about all the stuff that's in your past, right? Have you ever, uh, quick side note, uh, the Bible says that God separates our sin as far as the east is from the west. I remember when I was younger thinking about, well, why doesn't God say north and south? Why does he say east and west? It's a kind of a, a really practical question that if you don't spend a minute and actually think about it logically, it doesn't make sense. But if you say it north from south, there's a moment where if we all started walking north, 
eventually, okay, we couldn't, we couldn't walk all the way there. We might have to drive, uh, go on a plane or whatever. If we start going north, eventually there comes a point if we continue in a straight direction that we're going to be heading south again. And what that means is there is a maximum distance as north and south, right? You can go to the North Pole, South Pole. Those are your maximum distances that you can go away. However, if you, fit, if you think about east and west, it's forever. It's an infinite. You can continue going east as far as you want, and you can continue going west as far as you want, and it never changes the other way because there's no east and west poles. So God says, I separate your sin from you as far as the east is from the west, meaning it's so far that it's un unmeasurable is that the right word Un, or immeasurable immeasurable uh he separates our sin from us so far that he can't even find it if he looks for it amen yeah there's a there's a big deal of just being clothed in the righteousness of christ good thing it's not the righteousness of tim any other thoughts any other thoughts on what it means to put on the the armor of god the armor of god any any follow-up thoughts from table discussion I had one thought. Um, I had one thought that hit me kind of as I was getting ready for today. I think a lot of times it comes down to an identity thing. Why do we choose to put on the full armor of God? Because as we put on the full armor of God, it comes down to us stopping and saying, "Who am I with Christ in me?" and not just, "Who am I?" And that that, that plays right into yeah, right here. Uh, Andrew, Andrew's coming so we can, we can all hear. But um, a lot of times it comes down to knowing who you are with Christ in you. And, Tim, that's kind of what we talked about a little bit here. Um, Ephesians, and I shared this, Watchman Nee has a book out called um, Sit, Walk, Stand. And Ephesians is divided up into three sections. It talks about who you are in Christ, who you are seated with Christ. And then it talks about walking with Christ. And then the end here talks about standing in what you know and what you believe. And that's kind of what we talked about a little bit. But you can't put on the armor of God until you know who you are in Christ. You can't speak in an authority until you know that you are seated in the heavenly places, that you are uh, at the right hand of Christ Almighty, that all things underneath your feet you can't put on that armor. You can't put on the helmet of deliverance. You can't put on the shield. You can't put on the belt until you know who you are in Christ. You know, the sword of the Spirit is that rhema word. It's the word coming out of you. But you can't get that rhema word into you until you start reading the Bible. you got to know that stuff. And so to just, we were talking about that, just pull this out and say, I'm going to put on the armor of God doesn't work because you got to build up to that. That whole book of Ephesians is on building up into sitting, walking, and then standing. But you got to know who you are in Christ before you can do those things. Yeah. Thank you for giving me a perfect segue. We have a book called Who I Am in Christ. Um, and I've got a ton of copies up here. And I'm, I'm literally cool with walking around right now. Um, we have one more comment back there. And then... Uh, if you do not have this book, you need this book, and it comes down to knowing who you are. Ephesians is actually, I think it's Ephesians is the place where it talks about in Christ the most when it talks about our identity in Christ. Yeah. Tim, to, to follow up with the gentleman there, as a table, we have decided we're going to start doing a memory verse every week just so we can have that 
strength to be able to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, it, it's uh, okay. We'll go with one more because this is really good, and you guys are like preaching the rest of my message. So if you talk long enough, I don't have to say anything else, then we'll be good. Um, no, I'm just glad you brought up that book. I literally, I read through it, but then I just highlighted maybe one or two on each page. And then every morning in my car, I will, it says, my heavenly father says, then you read the passage and then you say, I agree after. And I just go through, it takes about three minutes and every single morning for probably about a month and a half. And it, it makes a big difference when you get up, get up in the morning and do that. Come on. A lot of times it's... <clears throat> It's, it may be memorizing the word, and I love the idea of memorizing the word, but even if you don't have, even if you don't memorize a verse and you just read a verse, it does something in your spirit, right? Um, so I would encourage spend time reading the word. Sorry, spend time reading the word, but then also have verses that you're working on memorizing. So this is what I'm going to do. Would you, would a couple of you guys mind just like walking around and handing these out? Um, we're going to hand you one unless you have one, even if you have one and you need more. Um, I want everyone in here, there's, there's more of them if I need to get more of them. If you don't have this book or you want another copy, raise your hand, please. Like this is a, this is a powerful, powerful book. All this is, I'm, I, should, I should preface this, all this book is is scriptures from the Bible that talk about who you are in Christ. Literally, it's just, it's just Bible scriptures. There's nothing else. I think there might be a little bit of a preface in the beginning. But there's nothing else other than verses on who you are in Christ. And a lot of times when we're standing in those storms or we're standing in those valleys, it's hard to remember who we are in Christ. It's, it, takes, it takes time to remember that. Uh, if we need more, let me know. I will get more. Uh, there's a couple more going around. I see a couple more hands. I don't see a ton, a ton of hands. Uh, yep, we got two right here. Um, in a second, I'm going to give you guys another question to talk about, and I'm going to walk, or I'm going to go grab, are we, okay. Uh, how many more people need them? Like, don't don't worry about one, two, three, four, five. I'll, okay, I'll grab about 10 of them in a second. I'm going to give you guys one more question to talk about, and then we'll go from there. It's funny because, uh, Ron, you hit on it. You, you like nailed it on the head. It's you, you have to know the scriptures. Matthew chapter four. I literally have my Bible already open to this. It's like tabbed in my Bible. Matthew chapter four. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness. This is right after he gets baptized. Led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days, 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came and uh, came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is is written literally the king of kings the lord of lords jesus who is actually the one that spoke the world into existence in genesis chapter one he went to the to the scriptures he went to the bible when he found himself in a valley so he went to the bible it says it is written man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of god the devil comes back at him he says it is written this is in verse seven it is written do not put the Lord your God to the test. The devil comes at him again in verse 10. Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. We have to have the word of God in our hearts. It doesn't mean we have to memorize every single verse, 
We work on memorizing because we want to renew our minds. It talks about in uh, Romans chapter 12, it talks about do not be conformed to the passions of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We renew our minds by memorizing the word, but we get the spirit in our heart by spending time with the Father. Amen? So my question for us is how do we get the word into our heart? This might be practical, what do I do? Or this might be what can we do collectively together? Take a few minutes, and I will be back up here in just a couple minutes. Oh, we got some more Who Am I Christ books. So if you, raise your, if, you, if you need one, raise your hand. So this is a quick conversation on what does it look like to get the word of God into our hearts.